Hey folks, welcome to this week's episode of Interesting Stuff, the podcast that's really about nothing and has nobody on it. Oh man, last week, week before last, we talked some history, talked some ghost stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed those podcasts. Week before that, <clears throat> we got to talk to a retired Sergeant Major, Army retired Sergeant Major. That was a lot of fun. I tell you, I love Sergeant Major Jim, and uh, I want him to get I want to get him back on the show as soon as we can. I really enjoyed talking to. I could pick his brain all day. It was so much fun. This week, what do I really want to talk about this week? I'm not really sure. You know, uh, we don't have the music this week because I've quite frankly I forgot to bring my laptop. <clears throat> I'm over in my office and uh, forgot the laptop, and I'm not going all the way back to the house because I'm friggin' lazy. So we're just gonna go ahead and do this acapella. You know, there we go, like Freddie Mercury stuff, except not nearly as talented. But anyways. And I didn't really write this episode this week either. Usually I do. I come up with like bullet points. I tried the scripting thing for anyone who's out there listening, which, you know, right now there's not too many. For those of you who do listen, I really do appreciate it. But any advice I could give on podcasting, um, basically do what you want to do. Talk about stuff that you're interested in. And maybe script or not. For me, scripting just did not work it all it came out really flat when i did the uh, first run of this podcast <clears throat> over on uh podbean i used to script a lot of my episodes i used to script a ton of them every episode basically was scripted and i'd sit there and go over it and do all that stuff and it just got to the point where i felt like i was reading from a book i started off doing just off the top of my head and those episodes were really good and then when i started doing the scripting it just got to the point where it was like, yeah, I'm not digging this. So I do bullet points. I'll go through and bullet point everything out and figure out what I'm going to hit. How long I'm, you know, I don't really even put in how long I'm going to talk about. I just put in, I want to get these topics in. I know I got an hour. So whatever topic hits me the most is what I'll talk about for the majority of the time. And then I'll hit the rest of them. Or sometimes I won't even hit them if I get really stuck up, hung up on a, a topic that's interesting. But there's a little, you know, helpful hint, hopefully, to those of you out there podcasting or thinking about podcasting. Here's another thing, man. Go out and do it. You've got everybody will tell you that podcasting or anything that you go after, you can't do it, blah, blah, blah. You have no experience, blah, 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 blah. Look, man, I ain't got no experience. I decided one day I wanted to do a podcast when I retired. I was like, what am I going to do with myself? You know, I didn't really know. So it's like podcasting to me because I love to talk. That would be cool. So I just did a podcast. My first one was over uh, some of the history of Birmingham, Alabama, and some of the ghosts of Birmingham, Alabama. And you're going to mess up. You're going to flub all over yourself. You're going to go back and listen to it and be like, damn, I sound like crap. And I got long pauses, got all that stuff. Don't worry about it. You'll figure out what your delivery style is. You'll figure out what your cadence is. And you'll figure out how to pick topics that you enjoy doing. Because, I mean, podcasting, man, is like writing a book. It's like writing music. It's like writing a TV show, any of that stuff. If you're interested in it, somebody else will be too. Now, granted, some things are more niche market. You'll have fewer people listen to certain things like, say, 
history than you will ghost. More people are interested in ghost than they are history, which, you know, it's kind of ironic because they're two in the same, you know, ghost is what used to be a person. So that's history and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But figure out what your niche is, something that you enjoy. And if you do it, other people are going to enjoy it. And don't get into it expecting to, you know, break big and make all kinds of money and get rich. If you're doing it for that reason, you're going to be sadly disappointed. And have fun. That's the biggest thing. Have fun. So, yeah, we had an impromptu lesson here on uh, podcasting. Biggest thing is have fun. Get your friends involved. You know, like Sergeant Major Jim, a friend I made on Twitter, actually. We share that bond of being Army and being non-commissioned officers in the Army. And I just asked him if he wanted to be on it. He said, yeah. And I've had other friends of mine on the show in the previous incarnation of it. It's a lot of fun because if you've got a good chemistry with that person and you've got some good stories that you can tell or you have some good viewpoints that you can share, it's so much fun. It's a chance for you to spend time with your friends and do something creative and fun and spontaneous. I mean, you're talking anyways. What a podcast is, is conversation. So there you go. That's your five minute and 23 second block of instruction on podcasting from Staff Sergeant Reeves. Gave up my name there, didn't I? Yeah, Staff Sergeant Caesar. I wonder if that's kind of oxymoronic because, you know, Caesar was. uh, Anyways, we're not going to get into all that stuff. We're not going to do any history night that I can think of. What I want to talk about tonight, starting off, is quite frankly, what's going on in pro wrestling. And AEW is doing some great things. I'm an AEW guy. That's due respect to WWE, due respect to everybody else. I love I love any kind of wrestling, actual wrestling. Not so much of a fan of sports entertainment, but I am a fan of wrestling. And yes, pro wrestling is sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it. But some of it is just better than others, let's admit it. And that's not knocking. Those who like WWF, WWE, whatever the heck they call it now, that is a definite market. It's an established market. People have been watching that for a couple of generations. Their fathers watched it. Their grandfathers watched it, so on and so forth. You grew up with it, all that stuff. I'm not going to sit here and knock anybody for liking any kind of pro wrestling. It's the same as music or you know any kind of art. And wrestling is an art. It is a great art form. It's a unique art form. Physical theater. You know, is what I like to call it. But it's not really even physical theater so much. It's more like physical improv theater, you know? Because you can't go out every night. You know, like, do a play, for instance. You know, if you're doing Romeo and Juliet. That play, if you do it all over the country, you go from New York to uh, Los Angeles, you're going to be doing the same lines over and over and over. The audience is already pre-trained to know what the spots are how the story flows, what the lines are, and all that stuff. They probably know lines better than you do as an actor. Pro wrestling, you've got to be able to go out, and you've got to be able to, yeah, tell kind of the same story, but use completely different words. You can't go out in Memphis tonight and do what they call cutting a promo and then go to Dallas the next day and cut the same promo. It doesn't work like that. So you got to be able to improv on your feet. you got to be able to change it up a little bit, you know, it's such people. I tell you, <clears throat> if I were going to do a movie, I would go 
and find me some pro wrestlers to be in that movie. Reason being, they have charisma. You don't make it in pro wrestling unless you got charisma. They can do improv. Yeah, they can't read, you know, some of them. I'm not going to say all of them. Some of them are not trained actors, and they can't sit there and go line for line on a script and all that stuff. But I think you'll get a better performance in the work harder than a lot of the actors out there. And I'm not knocking actors, you know. I've acted myself, a couple little movies here and there. And acting is a blast, and it's an art in, unto itself. But pro wrestling is so underappreciated. Yeah, and that's just the theatrics part of it. Then you have the athletic part. Anyone who says they go out there <clears throat> and do a pro wrestling match, I tell you, I, I just have a hard time believing it. But getting back to the topic at hand, AEW right now with what they're doing, Revolution's coming up. It'll be on tomorrow, pay-per-view. That is going to be one hell of a show. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. This isn't a spoiler show. I'm just telling you, it's going to be one hell of a show. I mean, you got Sting back. Yeah, Sting. The guy from WCW, the guy from TNA. Sting is going to be in a street fight. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, he looks great. He looks fantastic. Looks like the same Sting that left WCW 20 years ago. Well, granted, the hair is not as long and all that stuff, but he looks like Sting. You've got Cody Rhodes. You've got the the Young Bucks. you got Chris Jericho. you got MJF. You've got Lance Archer. You've got all these guys and gals. I mean, Hikaru Shida will be defending her world title. Not going to tell you again, so you need to watch pay-per-view. But the lady she's defending against is another Japanese wrestler who is incredible. <clears throat> You got to check it out. So if you're a wrestling fan, I would highly recommend getting AEW Revolution. They brought in Paul White. I'm I'm a fan of this signing. I am. I think Paul White brings a couple things to the table. I know what a lot of people are saying. Oh, man, he's just washed up and he's trying to get a paycheck. Look, man, Paul White's got enough money. He don't need another paycheck. Paul White doesn't need wrestling at this point in time in his career. He loves wrestling, and he wants to be involved in it. I don't know all the details, you know, of what led him to come to AEW as opposed to re-signing with WWE. My guess would be they offered him a chance to do something that he hadn't been given in WWE. And there's nothing wrong with that. Wrestling fans have got to learn. The more every company flourishes, the better off the whole industry is. You've got to want companies like MLW NWA, NJPW, Impact, AEW, WWE, Ring of Honor. You want all of those to succeed because if they're all thriving and they're all succeeding, one, competition creates better stuff. It doesn't have a chance to get stagnant. Competition keeps you on your toes. That, you know, everybody talks about the Attitude Era. And, you know, I was a young man during the Attitude Era. I was, you know, in my 20s at that point in time, teens and 20s at that point in time, late teens. I was already in the, already in the Army when Attitude officially kicked off. But the thing that made Attitude great was you had WCW pushing WWE, those two giants. And then you had the little engine that could, ECW, barking up the tree too. 
kept everybody on their toes. And what that created was different styles, different dynamics. It gave people a chance who ordinarily wouldn't be able to be main event guys a chance like Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer, if he'd have went to WCW or if he would have went to a WWF, they would have put him in a mid card. We got to see how great Tommy Dreamer was because you had ECW. And they gave him a chance to do what he could do. Taz is the same way. They gave him a chance to do what he could do. And you had other ones in the bigger companies. You had guys like Chris Jericho going from the Cruiserweight, which I didn't have a problem with the Cruiserweight division. I never had a problem. I thought it was, to me, on WCW television, those Cruiserweight matches some of the best stuff you had. They were better in the main event a lot of times. That's not a knock on the main eventers they had. It's just those matches were so good. But when Jericho went over WWE, or WWF at that point in time, you got to see Jericho go into the main event. If he'd have stayed at WCW, he never would have had that opportunity. Because you had competition, guys were given opportunities to step up, and a lot of them took the ball and ran with it. Eddie Guerrero is another one. You think if he would have stayed in WCW, they would have made him a world champion? Probably not. He was too val- – and this is the thing – People knock Eric Bischoff all they want to, and they say, well, you had guys like Jericho and Benoit, who we don't talk about, and I understand why, but let's just be realistic. You had guys like Jericho, Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, you know, just floundering in your cruiserweight division. Well, they weren't really floundering, number one. I mean, they were always in the hunt for the cruiserweight title. They had great matches. But, yeah, they weren't going to get a chance to go after the big go. Now, Benoit did get his opportunity, and he was WCW champion. But I don't think Guerrero and Jericho would have ever been able to break out of the cruiserweight mode into the hunt for the title. They probably would have peaked at the U.S. champion, which back in that day, the U.S. championship meant a lot. Television championship meant a lot, too, but that U.S. championship meant a whole lot. So there's nothing wrong with being a U.S. champ, but it's not the world championship. And I don't think they would have been given that opportunity had they not left and went to WWF. It just wouldn't have happened. So with all these companies flourishing now, support them. Watch them on TV. Get pay-per-views if you can. I don't expect you to go broke buying pay-per-views and merchandise and all that stuff. But, you know, spend a little bit of money if you can. Spend a little bit of time. You know, TV, if you've got cable, you're already paying for it. So you might as well freaking watch it. And granted, Impact's a little bit hard to find. Ring of Honor's a little bit hard to find. Uh, But you can find them. And watch what they're doing over there. MLW and the NWA. Well, the NWA used to be online. I don't know what they're doing with that now. I think they're going over to fight, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, MLW is still on YouTube. You can find them on YouTube. Check them out, man. The more all of them flourish, the better off we are. I love it. Uh, we're seeing a renaissance of wrestling. We're, we're almost going back to a territory day type thing. Because think about it. <clears throat> major companies now, major companies. You've got NJPW. you got WWE. you got AEW. That's your three-headed monster as far as the major companies go. But you've also got Ring of Honor. you got Impact. You've got the NWA coming back. You've got MLW. That's seven major promotions. All of them doing shows. Well, as soon as COVID ends, they'll all be doing shows. All of them have some kind of TV. 
You can go out, look them up on YouTube. You can go out, you know, watch them on actual network television. It's it's freaking awesome. If you're a wrestling fan, you appreciate all wrestling. And there's stuff in each one of those companies that is unique under them. Like Ring of Honor has, in my opinion, the best tag team in the world, the Briscoes. Those guys are astounding. Love those guys. They're unique. They work great. They're, they're, that's my favorite tag team, period, is the Briscoes. Then you jump over to MLW. You got the Von Erich boys, man. Kevin Von Erich's boys. And let me tell you, those two can go. They can flat go. Then you go over to AEW. You've got the Young Bucks, who everybody, you're either a Young Bucks fan or you're not. You're either an AEW fan or you're not. It's love or hate. I get that. I don't understand why, but I know that's how people are. But when we watch the Young Bucks go out there and have a match, they're great. You've got the Lucha Brothers, who can go out there and tear it up with anybody in the world. Butcher and the Blade. I mean, the FTR. Oh, God, I love FTR. Probably number two on my personal list right now is FTR. They were, they, they're such throwback guys. They go out there. They know how to work a match. They know how to pace a match. It's, you know, old school, I'm going to beat the hell out of you type wrestling. And don't get me wrong, I like the high-flying stuff. I really do when it's done correctly. A wrestling match, to me, this is just my personal opinion, you know, and everybody's entitled to it. My personal opinion of a wrestling match is it's supposed to resemble an actual fight. So you can have a couple of high spots here and there, but when the whole match is, you know, just one crazy, insane you know, coordinated stunt after another. I respect the athleticism, but at that point, you lose the little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, dang it. You lose the suspension of disbelief. There we go. That is needed to fully appreciate wrestling. You're appreciating the athletic contest going on it's almost like watching dance as opposed to watching an actual fight. I grew up watching, you know, the Memphis territory, be it CWA, USWA, some of the other names that use, that's who I grew up watching. And all of us are like this. You know, if you grow up watching a certain style of wrestling and a certain wrestler, you naturally gravitate towards that. Well, the Memphis wrestling was more of a brawling style. They were ECW before ECW. People don't give enough credit to Memphis for really launching ECW. Think about it. Paul Heyman spent a lot of his time down in Memphis. Eddie Gilbert, the first booker. Again, a lot of time down in Memphis. Anyone who was anyone that came through the wrestling industry came through Memphis at one point in time or another. And the reason Memphis wrestling was so successful was, number one, it was a great product. Number two, the fans were loyal. You got to remember, Memphis, when I was growing up, we didn't have an NBA team. There was no football team, no hockey team, no baseball team. You had a minor league team called the Chicks. And every once in a while, we would get like, you know, the uh, uh, different little football leagues that would come through. I remember we had like the showboats and we had a couple other teams that were part of the funk leagues that just didn't make it. But we had no real pro sports. Memphis basketball was huge. You know, Memphis Tigers and uh, wrestling. Wrestling was the big sport. It was it. 
And our hero was Jerry Lawler. And before him, you had Jackie Fargo. Before him, you had Sputnik Monroe, Roy Welch, a lot of other guys who came before. But the big three in Memphis, as far as eras go, and in my opinion, as far as the big three period in Memphis, you'd have to go Sputnik Monroe, Jackie Fargo, Jerry Lawler. Those were your big three. They covered the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and up into the 90s. Those three individuals. Think about that. You know, Memphis, Tennessee, Mid-South Coliseum holds ten to 12,000 people, depending on what they're doing. They would. I remember as a kid, they sold that out every Monday night for five years straight. Five years, you're packing 10,000 people into the Mid-South Coliseum. Now you think about it. Madison Square Garden sold out once a month, 20,000 people. And that's a hell of an accomplishment. Don't get me wrong. Well, New York is what? Memphis is about a million people. New York's about 8 million. So they're about eight times the size of Memphis. You've got little Memphis at that point in time, about 500,000 people putting in 40,000 people a month into the Mid-South Coliseum. That's double what WWF was doing in Madison Square Garden. That's not a knock. And again, I'm not knocking WWF. I'm just telling you how big and over Memphis wrestling was. So again, growing up, Jerry Lawler to this day is my favorite wrestler. I will go back and watch old Jerry Lawler matches. Because he was so good. The style in Memphis, though, wasn't a technical style. Yeah, guys, it could work technical, but it wasn't a technical style. It was more of a more realistic style. It made it look like it was a fight. And you would throw some wrestling holds in, but it looked like they were just beating the shit out of each other. Which is great. Because, I mean, you start off, and yeah, everybody's trying to obey the rules, and you're doing a lock here, and you're doing a lock there. And then the bad guy would do something and it would cause all intent of an actual wrestling match to break down and then they're brawling. And your baby face, your good guy, will use Lawler, is trying to defend himself against this other guy who's cheating. It told a great story. It's a timeless story. And it it captivated that whole region. And to me, that was what wrestling was. So when you grow up, and you start hearing about other wrestling. Yeah, I like WCW, which before that was Jim Crockett Promotions. And um, before that was Mid-Atlantic and a couple other areas. But NW, it was NWA. And um, I remember watching that as a kid because we would get like TBS, you know, six, I think it was 6.05 p.m. You know, on Saturday, I believe, you could watch... NWA on on TBS. And they had <clears throat> the same kind of work style, pretty much. Now, it wasn't exactly the same. There was enough of a difference. NWA would pride itself on more technical wrestling. So you would have guys like, you know, your Ric Flair's, your Arn Anderson's, guys like that, you know, who could actually go out. Arn Anderson is one of the greatest that ever lived. I don't give a damn what anybody says. Tully Blanchard, you know, those guys could go out there and actually wrestle. 
You know, either one of those guys, if you met him in an alley, would tie you up in a damn pretzel before you had a chance to swing at him. That's how good those guys legit were. That's what the NWA offered. <clears throat> Memphis more of a brawling style. Uh, WWF was more show business. You had guys, you know, that were, you know, like sh- from great gimmicks like Shawn Michaels. You know, his gimmick was great. Two not-so-great gimmicks like the trash guy. And all these territories had bad ones. But growing up, I would watch NWA because I enjoyed it. And, you know, it was a more technical, you know, look at actual wrestling. And I watched WWF. I'm not going to lie to you. Because who in the hell didn't love the Ultimate Warrior? Who in the hell didn't have a soft spot in their heart for Hulk Hogan? I did. Now, do I was I a huge Hulk Hogan fan? No, I wasn't. But, you know, I, I respected him. I wasn't a little Hulkamaniac, but I had respect for him. Then he had uh, guys like Macho Man Randy Savage. He had other guys that wrestled up there. It was more show business. So he had three different companies at that point putting on completely different shows. And it was wonderful. You know, whatever you're in the mood for, you could catch. That's not including other companies that were open. We're talking mid-80s to late-80s at this point. Yeah, the AWA, which was kind of like the NWA. It was more technical-based, more realistic-based. You had WCCW down in Texas. That's where the Von Erichs reigned supreme. They had some of the best stuff for a period of time there. From about 81 to about, I guess, 87, 88. That's some of the best stuff you could watch. I mean, it was some of the best stuff that there was out there. Kevin Von Erich has always been my favorite Von Erich. And, I mean... The stuff he could do, he was doing stuff in the ring back then, 20, 30 years before it should have been started, before it even made it really into major wrestling shit, you know? Well, let's say 20 years. But it was so cool to see all these different styles. And then over the period of time, AWA shuts down, WCCW merges with the CWA, and they become, you know, the uh, USWA. Uh, Jim Crockett Promotions gets bought out and it becomes WCW. Basically the same kind of product, just, you know, different ownership. And you've got those three, and then you have ECW. I remember hearing about ECW when I got to Korea. This was in 95. I got there, I think, in no, November or October of 95. I don't remember. It wasn't long after my birthday. My birthday is October 4th. And I got there within a month after my birthday. So it was either late October or early November when I reported to Korea. But I remember in my unit, there was a guy that was from Philly, up around that area. And he told me about, you know, we talked and he found out I liked wrestling. And he's like, you know, what do you watch? And I'm like, you know, I'll watch anything. But, you know, I'm a Memphis guy. And he's like, well, you know, I like Memphis wrestling too. Back then he had to trade tapes. There was no internet. So if you didn't live in that area, you had to buy tapes or you had to trade them with somebody who had tapes of it. And read in the magazines. That was where you got most of your information. If you didn't live in the immediate area of a territory, you read from, you know, the magazines, your Bill Afters, uh, Mike Mooneyhams, guys like that. That was where you got your information at. Uh, I'm not going to put Dave Meltzer in there because I don't like Dave Meltzer. I just don't. If you like him, that's cool. I'll never take away... The fact that Dave has had a long, successful career doing what he's doing, but I'm not a fan. Uh, just not. He don't like me either. You know, that's just the way it is. So I'll never take away from him what he's accomplished, but 
I'm not going to endorse them either. So if you read Dave Meltzer, that's great, man. But when you read all these other magazines, they tell you what was going on and the different wrestling promotions, stuff like that. And you could kind of keep on top of it. You couldn't actually watch it, though. So anyway, I get to Korea. This guy's got tapes of ECW, which were on local channel. A local, They were on a Philly Sports Network or something. I don't remember what channel was. But they had a channel there in Philadelphia that, you know, ECW was aired on at that point in time. And I remember watching it going, wow, this is awesome. And then, you know, I see Eddie Gilbert. And I'm like, well, this is really cool. Eddie Gilbert's on here. And uh, then I see Paul Heyman, of course. And I knew who Paul was. So I started watching it and getting into it. You know, now there was a big break, a big lapse. I was behind months, you know, maybe even years on the tapes that we had available to us. But I really started watching and, you know, learning about ECW more. And then again, or not then again, but then on 97, when I was in uh, Fort Carson, Colorado, I heard the news that uh, USWA had shut down. It broke my heart. Absolutely broke my heart. You couldn't picture at that point in time Memphis without wrestling. It, it just every Saturday, you know, ever since I was a kid, you had wrestling. The dun 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 dun, and then he had the statue, the two guys wrestling. Channel Five, that's where it was. And uh, every day from the time I was a little kid until. You know, at this point in time, 19, 20 years old, wrestling had been a staple. That's when you knew it was about time to go outside and play because you could watch wrestling. I want to say it came on at noon or one. I don't remember. But after it went off, that's when we got turned loose. Back then as a kid, you went outside and played. If it was nice weather, you you were outside. Saturday was the ex- exception. I'd get up at like 5 in the morning and because my grandfather would go to work at this point in time, I was living with my grandparents and uh, my grandfather would go to work. He'd get me up at like five and at five in the morning, he had the fractured fairy tales and Tennessee tuxedo and all that stuff would come on. And then until one o'clock you had different children's programming. You had all the, you know, Bugs Bunny and uh, all kinds of other cartoons, Smurfs, all that crap. And then at like, I think noon or 11, it was uh, the ABC story hour i can't remember i remember the music and he had og readmore he was a puppet a big cat and they'd go over a book and there'd be a movie you know that went along with the book and you'd watch that then after that was over channel five wrestling came on then after wrestling went off your butt was outside playing that's just the way it was unless it was like you know 50 degrees below zero you were outside playing so that's kind of how we timed everything as a kid, you know, it was based off of what was coming on, how long we had left in the house and all that stuff. So it was a huge part of my life. I remember when I was like 10, we moved to Missouri, moved to Fort Leonardwood to live with my uncle at that point in time. He was uh, the JAG NCOIC for Fort Leonardwood. And uh, JAG is Judge Advocate General and uh, NCO is Non-Commissioned Officer NCOIC is non-commissioned officer in charge. So that's what he did for JAG. He was the NCOIC of, you know, Fort Leonard Woods JAG. And um, we lived with him, and I remember getting up there, and you couldn't get Memphis wrestling up there. I was like 10. And I remember thinking, what the hell is wrong with these people? 
you can't watch Jerry Lawler. They didn't even know who the hell Jerry Lawler was. They knew who Hulk Hogan was. They know who Jerry Lawler was. So I find out that really the only wrestling you could watch up there was like TBS. You could watch the NWA, which by then, I don't think it, no, this is like in 87. So it's probably still Jim Crockett promotions. It was the NWA, but you would watch, uh, you know, the NWA and then you had WWF. That's the first time I ever watched WWF. And I got to admit, NWA, it made me feel better because I was used to watching it. WWF, parts of it I liked. I loved the Blue Blazer when he first debuted. I thought he was cool as shit. But I liked the Ultimate Warrior. I'm not going to lie and say I didn't like him. Hulk Hogan I was cool with, you know. And there were some other guys up there that I liked. Jake the Snake Roberts, of course, being one of them. Rick Rude. I, I always liked the heels better than I liked a lot of the baby faces. The heels to me were much more interesting, much more layered characters, more complex characters than, you know, the quote unquote good guys, the baby faces were. So I really gravitate towards like Kurt Hennig and uh, Rick Rude, guys like that, you know, that were bad guys, big boss man. Those are the guys I really liked in WWF at that point in time, you know, but it wasn't the same. And I remember just being like dumbfounded that nobody up there number one, knew Jerry Lawler or knew about Memphis wrestling or watched it. It was like, you couldn't even get on TV. I was just flabbergasted. My whole world was Memphis wrestling pretty much. Yeah. You had the NWA over here. I knew about WWF, but I didn't really pay attention to him because we, you know, we were always taught that Memphis wrestling was the best wrestling in the world. I still believe that. And basically, yeah, there were other companies. They never mentioned the other companies, but you know, to us, they were minor league companies. You know, I'd rather, I remember being so furious as a kid, like when stunning Steve Austin left Memphis and went down WCW, I was furious. I was mad at him for years. And a funny side note to that. And, uh, what was it? 19. Cause I quit watching wrestling for a little bit. Yeah. I quit watching it about time I got to Carson, which would have been late 96. I just quit watching. I wasn't, there wasn't anything that was really grabbing me in wrestling. I loved Bret Hart. I thought he was awesome. And I liked some of the stuff WCW was doing, but I just kind of quit watching it for a little while. When I got Germany, that was in 98. The only things you got over there when you had cable back then, and we're talking, this is in the late nineties, you know? So yeah, like BBC one through four, you had sky, and um, you had AFN, which is Armed Forces Network. And that was really the only channels you got that spoke English. Other than that, you had German channels, you know. So, And you could pick up some French channels and some Belgium channels and stuff like that. But I didn't speak French. I didn't speak German very well. So trying to follow those shows was just hard to do. You couldn't really keep up. I'd watch them occasionally because you could brush up. I did the same thing when I was in Korea. Here's a little tip. If you ever go overseas to live, like you join the military or anything that's going to bring you overseas to live, start watching TV. Watch TV. You'll figure out what they're talking about eventually. You can learn pretty good. You can learn another language pretty good if you're very perceptive and you pay attention to what's going on. You'll, you will eventually start learning that other language. So I would do that occasionally. 
in Korea and in Germany, you know, just watch it to kind of, you know, further my uh, speech or my mastery of those uh, languages. I never did master either one of them. I don't remember much of Hangul at all. I don't remember very much German either nowadays, but I would do that occasionally. But anyways, wrapping back around, you only had a few channels to choose from. And uh, we could watch like a highlight show for WWF stuff. It came on Saturday mornings. It was like an hour, hour and a half. You could watch, you know, the highlights of what had been going on in WWF. WCW, though, we could watch the whole show. So when you don't have a lot to watch, wrestling, you know, the old friend came back around. So you start watching it. And I can remember hearing about Steve Austin. You know, he was blowing up at this point. And... I saw a t-shirt. I never will forget it. it was a t-shirt and it was, you know, a bald guy with a goatee and it said Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, Steve Austin. I know who the hell Steve Austin is, but I don't know who the hell this guy. Cause you know, the stunning Steve Austin I knew had blonde hair, clean shaven, all that stuff. This guy's bald headed, you know, no hair at all. Got a goatee and a gold chain around his neck. And I was like, what the hell is this shit? So then the guy that was wearing it, I asked him, I said, who the hell's that? He's like WWF champion, Stone Cold, or Intercontinental champion, you know, this Stone Cold Steve Austin, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I've never heard of this guy. You know, is it is it the same, you know, Steve Austin used to be stunning. He's like, yeah, yeah, same guy. It's just a new character. And I was like, how the, and Steve Austin, I know you won't ever listen to this. And if you do, please don't kick my ass if I ever meet you. But I was just perplexed. I was like, how the hell did stunning Steve Austin Turn into this fucking badass. Well, I started, you know, barring tapes and catching up and watching, and I was blown the fuck away. You know, absolutely blown away. Didn't know this guy had it in him. But, you know, that's just the way it was. You know, your territory that you came up in was the best wrestling on the planet. Everybody thought that. No matter what territory you grew up in, you thought that your wrestling was better than anyone else's wrestling. We haven't had that since 2000. In 2000, or was it 01? 01, I guess. In 2001, 20 years ago, WWF bought ECW and WCW. And from 2001 until really, I'd say 2018, you know, they, they were by themselves. You had TNA, which doesn't get the credit it deserves. TNA from 04 to 14 was some of the best wrestling I've ever seen. I was a diehard TNA guy. And uh, then it started to kind of peter out. Not, yeah, not because the talent couldn't perform. You hear all these vicious rumors and stuff. Talent, they were still putting on great matches, but the storylines were just terrible. And uh, a lot of it didn't make sense. So at that point, you know, you tune out. I tuned back into TNA when uh, the broken gimmick kicked off. I heard about it. I started watching it, got into it. And then that petered out and the Hardys left and I quit watching it. I've recently gotten back into it. I love what they're doing now. But anyways, you know, you didn't have an option for about 17 years. If you were an NJPW fan, you did have an option, but it was hard to find. Ring of Honor was going at that point, but again, it was hard to find. And um, for the average consumer, 
you really had to look to find something besides WWF. We're at 39 minutes, almost 40 minutes. I got to start wrapping this up. But since, you know, 01, we really haven't had more than one viable company going on top. Now you got AEW. And AEW's made bridges to TNA Impact now. They've made bridges to the NWA. They've made bridges to NJPW. So we're going to be able to see, like, that, and that was another thing about territories. You didn't have territories really working together. You had the Super Brawls, you know, which was when uh, AWA, CWA, and WCCW did three pay-per-views, combined their talent, and uh, those were good. You got some cool matches at them, Jerry Lawler and Kerry Von Erich being the coolest one of, of all. But it wasn't a long-term working relationship, and at the end of the day, it kind of flat, or floundered and, you know, it didn't work out too good. But now we have an opportunity to see these companies exchange talent, exchange titles, develop storylines in between themselves. This is like a wrestler, a wrestling fan's dream right here. Imagine back in the 90s, man, if we ever could have gotten Stone Cold Steve Austin representing WWF, Goldberg or Sting representing WCW, and Taz in a match. Imagine that. That's what we have the opportunity to do now. You can see. I can't even think. My my mind's trying to blank. Uh, You can see Okada against Omega or Moxley. You can see Rush come in against Omega or Moxley. You can see Moose go up against Jay Briscoe. I mean, Naito can come in and that guy with his charisma, he's just incredible. Naito can come in, go up against, you know, uh, I'm trying, I'm drawing blanks again. I hate it when that happens. Uh, PCO. You can have, that would be a matchup, wouldn't it? PCO's over the top character with Naito's over this. Oh my gosh, that'd be a hell of a match right there. But I mean, you can see these dream matches that we couldn't see basically for the entirety of wrestling because each territory guarded their territories, man. You, you didn't see Jerry Lawler going to WWF in wrestling when USWA was at its peak. You didn't see that. You just didn't see it at all, man. You know, you didn't see AWA bringing in Kerry Von Erich, you know, or WCCW bringing in Nick Bockwinkle, who is somebody who... If you've never seen a Nick Bockwinkle match, you are missing out. That guy's one of the greatest that ever laced up a pair of boots and stepped in a ring. He was incredible. The late Nick Bockwinkle does not get near the credit he deserves. And that's a damn shame. Watch him and Jerry Lawler. Any match they ever had, just watch it. Those two in the ring together were amazing. And I'm going to give a shout-out to another the one of the guys that got me into pro wrestling. The first match I ever saw... Getting uh, not kind of off topic, a little bit off topic. One of the first matches I ever saw, actually the first match I remember seeing, the one that made me a fan, was uh, Dutch Mantel versus Jerry Lawler. It was 1982, I think. It was a barbed wire match for the U.S. heavyweight, or the U.S., excuse me, the Southern United States Heavyweight Championship, which in Memphis at that point in time, because we were in the NWA, that was like our world title. It was a big deal. 
And I remember that match just clear as day. I don't remember anything else about the show. I don't. But I remember that match. I went at the Coliseum to watch it. Uh, one of my friends had gotten a VHS tape. I don't know if he filmed it there. I don't know if he bought it. I don't know how he came into possession of it. But I was at a friend's house, and he was really into wrestling. And we watched that tape. And like I said, I don't remember any of the matches before it. I don't remember anything but that match. And that match just blew me away. You know, Dutch is another guy that doesn't get the credit he deserves. Dutch Mantel was absolutely incredible. I mean, go back and watch some of his matches. Watch him with Smoky Mountain. He did this thing for a while where he'd have cue cards and he'd like write promos on the cue cards. Brilliant work that this guy was doing. He's the one that named Stunning Steve Austin. You know, he's the one that named him. Asked him, What's your name? Steve Williams. We've already got a Steve Williams. What's your name? Finally, he comes back and says, Well, you're from Texas. Capital of Texas is Austin. You're Steve Austin now. And we're going to call you Stunning Steve Austin. Or, or as you were, if you ever decide to turn heel, you can call yourself Stunning Steve Austin. There you go. That's your name. Guy was brilliant, man. Austin Idol is another one. He used to come through Memphis. Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant. Of course, the great Bill Dundee. Bill Dundee was five foot six and made you believe he could whip anybody's ass that walked ever. You know, he was a gatekeeper. If you were going to get to law, you're going to go through Dundee for a long time. They had great rivalries. They were tag team champions. Bill Dundee needs to be remembered. He and Hemi Dutch Mantel, Austin Idol, Jimmy Valiant. If there is a Hall of Fame for wrestling anywhere, a legit one, they are in it. If they're not in it, it's not a legit one. And yeah, that's a direct shot at WWF. Direct shot. Those guys meant so much to the business, and they drew money, a lot of money. And the fact that they're not in the WWF Hall of Fame is just ridiculous. You can't call yourself encompassing all of wrestling history if you're not taking those guys into account. You, you just can't. I don't care what you say. And, yeah, that is a knock on WWE's Hall of Fame. They, To their credit, they try to do the best they can. Pro wrestling's been around so long. There were so many companies. I get it. It's hard to figure out, okay, well, this guy's going in, this guy's going in, this guy's going in, you know, whatever. But some of them are just kind of obvious. And some territories are just overlooked when it comes to representation in the Hall of Fame. So this has been more of a rant, more of a ramble. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, let me know. Again, at Caesar Podcast. C-A-E-S-A-R podcast on Twitter. And um, let me know. I love hearing from you guys. Tweet me, DM me, I don't care. You know, anything I can do to make the show better, I'm all for it. Next week, I'll have more of a planned show. This is more of an off-the-top-of-your-head rant show. But definitely send me your input and send me your thoughts and you let me know how to improve because I do this for fun. I do this for me. I don't make any money on this thing. I don't want to. I like having the creative control. I don't want nobody else telling me what I'm going to talk about, how long I'm going to talk about it, what words I'm going to use, all that stuff. I want to be able to have control over it. Yeah, I'm a control freak. But let me know. Say hi to me on Twitter. I'll say hi back. And um, until next time, next Friday, I will put it out on time next week. I had a lot of stuff going on this week. But until next week, be smart, be safe, don't do stupid shit.
Take care. Bye.